Okay. Yep. Okay, cool. All right, let's try it one more time. Let's, let's try. Okay. Hi, I'm Noah. <laughs> one more time. Okay. I'm Noah. <laughs> you know how to keep a string from Hi, I'm Noah. And I'm Jacob. Jacob and I have been friends for a very long time. Uh, a very long time. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob's a world-class cellist uh, and educator, uh, and I am a music director touring with several big acts and a songwriter producer. Uh, Jacob and I work on projects together all the time, and uh, we talk almost every week about uh, these projects, but while there's maybe five minutes of business, the conversations go for 90 minutes. And, you know, most of that time is spent talking about, uh, what's going on in our personal lives and professional and creative lives. And, uh, it expands from details into like sort of macro philosophical perspectives on what goes on in the lives of all creative people. So we thought that it would be cool to share some of these conversations we've had about where life and art is a creative intertwine. Um, and we we hope that this will help other creative people out there feel more known uh, and also help the people that have to deal with creative idiots like Noah and I uh, have some perspective. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So without further ado, welcome to the Yellow Light Go podcast. So after some thought and conversation, Jacob and I decided that the first season, if we make it through a whole season, should be about the values of creative people because uh, the values of creatives s often differ from the values of, I would say, normal people. And to kick it off, we're going to be tackling a huge subject, humility. Yeah, yeah. Jacob and I, okay, we spent our whole lives learning how to make music, but now, among other things, we have to be experts in self-promotion. And see, here's the hard part. There's this dichotomy in American culture where we preach about being humble, but then we make Kanye West famous. Right. Uh, yeah, and as artists, we have to navigate this. So, Jacob, um, I guess we should start as every bad high school uh, valedictorian speech starts. Um with a definition. How would you define humility in a sentence or two if you had to? I think a lot of it for me comes down to uh, self-awareness. And uh, the root of that for me is curiosity, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, having a natural curiosity about where one is in the world um, and a courage to sort of seek out what else is out there, um, whether it's um, uh, in, you know, other artists uh, that are that are doing things similar to us or um, uh, other ideas that challenge our own. So mm. I, I guess to me, even though this isn't a <laughs> the two sentence definition you asked, I think humility comes down to perspective. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. uh, can can you zoom out and have some type of understanding of where you are or what you do, um, where that relates to um, the rest of humanity? Well, I noticed you didn't say anything about um, thinking less of yourself uh, or, you know, uh, understand or, or 
believing that other people are better than you or that quote, you always have something to learn. So you can't like, I noticed you didn't, there were no negative things about that. You went all the way to curiosity. Uh, Well, to me, what I've found is, is, is that, um, one of the most incredible, (laughs) uh, things that, that that we encounter as artists. Everyone in LA has a story of 10 people that literally could barely play their instruments or had no talent mm-hmm. and are now conquering the world. Uh, <laughs> you know, touring musicians, solo yeah. acts. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, what I've noticed in uh, actually getting to meet some of them, uh, <laughs> let's not name any names here. We don't want to go all Mozart in the jungle and mm-hmm. destroy our careers with this podcast. <laughs> but uh, one thing that... A, all of them seem to have in common is that they seem to not be aware of what what other musicians were doing. They seem to not mm. have studied much. They seem to not have had much of a curiosity about what other great composers have done or other great arrangers or other great uh, instrumentalists uh, in their field have done. And so somehow that allowed them to uh, that buoyed them with this sort of irrational confidence mm-hmm. of uh, of oh yeah I must be amazing I mean what's the, that, the what's hardest that called? part it's called the Dunning Dunning the Dunning Kruger effect okay yeah, yeah yeah this is this is a huge uh, meme now on the internet that's mm-hmm. been circulating all over the place but the the basic idea of the Dunning Kruger effect is that. Um, if you're really truly incompetent at something, it's very easy to overestimate uh, your own abilities, <laughs> right? Think yeah. about the karaoke singer that's literally completely tone deaf and mm-hmm. goes up there, you know, with all the courage and balls and chutzpah <laughs> in the world, and then walks off the stage and just tells you how he nailed it. You Drops know what I mean? The mic. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and and so you know, it's not like a lack of intelligence or anything like that. It, it really does come with. Uh, having really, really uh, limited uh, capacity or limited understanding of uh, of what you're doing. And that invariably leads to a lack of awareness. See, I, I think if curiosity is there, um, humility just comes, you know, part and parcel with that. Um, yeah. It just makes me think about uh, when I was a kid and, uh, you know, when I picked up, I remember when I first learned how to whistle, I was five years old and I Mm. called my dad. We lived in separate States and I I called my dad to show him that I could whistle and I couldn't whistle a tune. It was just a, you know, that's what it was. And I was so excited, you know, and it's the, uh, it's the, uh, Freud's two-year-old who takes a shit in the toilet and doesn't want to flush it because he made it, you know? Right. <clears throat> and I still feel that way sometimes, <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's extremely it's rare, <laughs> but, uh, but sometimes you just got to hang on to it for a minute. This is the, this is the TMI podcast. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, when I, so when I was a kid, it doesn't matter. Like if I showed any aptitude at anything, it didn't matter. Like the increment, like as I got incrementally better at anything, I was ecstatic. And I was like, look at me, mom, look at how good I am. Uh, even though I wasn't good, you know, I was terrible. Um, and then over the course of my life, like as a musician specifically, uh, I've spent more and more time getting better and better at making music at the process of it from all sides. And the better I get at it, the more I realize how far I have to go. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's, it's counterintuitive, right? And I think, and that's why like you meet people who are like, like truly great at what they do. And, very few of them are are what you would are what you would call arrogant, right? 
Yeah, almost never. And, uh, you know, I, I would even extend that to other fields. You know, I, I love listening to uh, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, talk about physics or, you know, Sam Harris talk about neuroscience or philosophy. And, you know, all of all of the guests that 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 these guys have on are really intellectual giants and 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 huge figures in their respective fields. And you know, it, it seems like you're about as likely to see arrogance from some of these, you know, scientists and computer geniuses as you are, you know, nudity. You know, it's just, it's, it's just not, they're, the more they, they engross themselves and, you know, their, their art or their science or their craft, uh, uh, the more, I don't, it seems like the more humble they become. It's, it's really, really rare to see arrogance, um, amongst people that are, you know, truly curious about yeah. the world. So, so you would say like arrogance is the antithesis of humility, right? Absolutely. That, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> now I, in the sort of Judeo Christian world, or maybe, maybe just the like Christianese, like I grew up in church where humility was uh, talked about like uh, an aw shucks attitude. You know, if somebody gives you a compliment and you say, um, yeah, thanks. That was awesome. Wasn't it? Then the first thing they say was, oh, and you're humble too, you know, uh, rather than uh, encouraging people to have an understanding of their abilities and like how that stacks up and like, okay, so if I were to define humility, and I, I don't think I knew this until five, six years ago. Like, this is something that I, I struggled with for a long time. Um, people called me arrogant, and I never understood that because I was as self-conscious as the next person, probably more so, right? Um, <clears throat> but the reason people called me arrogant, I think, uh, is because when it came to the work I was doing, I just was completely, uh, I was, I just, I couldn't pay attention to what other people thought. I was just obsessed, Mm. And uh, when you live in a world where uh, humility is described as, you know, not talking about yourself, um, you know, being sort of like, you know, coy and shy, like that's um, that's just not a place for a, like a budding young artist to grow. And uh, I, I, it hurts my feelings to talk about this, but I must have been 27 or 28 when I like finally figured it out. And uh, I was talking to Kurt Thompson, who is a, a neuroscientist, an author, and a speaker. He's actually, um, when you ask him what he does for a living, um, he says that he's an interpersonal neurobiologist. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I feel like I had to pay you just for saying that word to me. That's exactly. Like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's always di a little disconcerting when you <laughs> don't even understand the job description, much less the yeah. job. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I was telling him about this. I said, you know, I think I finally figured it out. And uh, humility, like I finally was able to define humility for myself. And it is the uh, understanding of who you are and who you're not. And, um, he just looks at me and nods. He's like, yeah, that's, um, that's pretty typical. That's certainly what the ancient Hebrews thought about, um, humility. And I was like, how come nobody told me, mm. you know, like, and I now, you know, to get into the self-promotion topic, um, learning how to talk about ourselves in such a way that other people understand that we do good work, uh, but not in such a way that people think we're full of ourselves is a really fine line. Yeah, I mean, I think that really kind of c 
cuts to the core of why I thought this would be such a great conversation for us to have and sort of rehash uh, in public (laughs) (laughs) over the inner webosphere. Mm -hmm. Um, Because as an artist, um, dealing with some of these issues, uh, and I I would say that the paradox uh, of humility um, really takes on uh, a, a unique place in what we sort of put ourselves through every day. What right? Because you know, as an artist, it, you got to self promote yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I, I live. I'm here in L.A. You're there in Nashville, um, and so much of what we have to do in today's day and age um, is getting out there and essentially convincing people uh, that we're really, really worth listening to. We're Mm. really, really worth checking Mm -hmm. out. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, by default, that Mm. means we're what more worth checking out than all the other musicians you've been listening to, or that we deserve a place in the pantheon of your Mm -hmm. Spotify playlist or Mm -hmm. your, uh, you know, your iTunes playlist. I don't know. Do people still use iTunes? I I do. I don't know. I can't even get into my account anymore. You know, it keeps giving me the (laughs) give password. Password is incorrect. We'll call it Apple Music. Uh, We'll call it Apple Music. Yeah. Um, yeah. So how do you, you know, how do you introduce yourself in such a way to somebody like, let's say, introducing yourself to somebody that you respect? You know, I think even before we get into that, Noah, I, I, I mentioned this paradox, but I think we should take a minute to really define what this paradox is. Okay. And if, for me, that paradox is that, as I mentioned, we're, we're as musicians, we have to spend a big chunk of our time self-promoting, right? right. That's one mm-hmm. bucket. Mm-hmm. Now, in the other bucket, obviously, we need to be doing what? Honing our craft, right? Mm-hmm. Which means, for me, in my experience, that means that I'm spending half of my day, you know, transcribing John Coltrane solos and Nerd playing alert. and studying the music of, like, J.S. Bach and, uh, you know... Um, Herbie Hancock and just guys that make my head spin and literally make me feel like I can't play or compose a single note because mm-hmm. they're just so overwhelmingly, ridiculously great. Mm-hmm. These are like the towering geniuses. And I mean, who who would that be for you, Noah? Like in the in the songwriter or guitarist or singer world, like who do you check out like for inspiration or to steal licks? Or um, I'm super into Bon Iver lately. Uh, I kind of yeah. can't stop with that. Me too. Yeah. So you're listening to Bon Iver and you're you're listening to Radiohead or you're listening to Punch Brothers or you're right. listening mm-hmm. to yep. you know John Mayer yep. play or yep. sing or his lyrics or mm-hmm. you know and you're picking up concepts and it, the whole idea is as an artist whatever art form you're in we're chasing people that just inspire the fuck out of us right and so mm-hmm. we're chasing these people who by default we think are just unbelievably brilliant and amazing and um and so then after spending half of our day or that part of our time bucket, then we need to go on uh, and do a radio interview promoting our show right? and basically talk about our career and how great our music is and basically, you know, uh, promote or pimp ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. we need to do social media posts about how, you know, awesome, you know, the upcoming album's going to be or all of these types of things. And there really is... Uh, to me, that's kind of the heart of the incongruity is that, you know, to become an artist, 
to me, or a real artist. And again, there's a lot of definitions of artists. We probably don't need to get into that right now, although I'm sure we will eventually. But I consider an artist somebody who's really searching, right? Who's really trying to go deep and develop something innovative and say something from their soul and that's really personal. It's really tough to square the process of becoming an artist with being a self-promoter, mm. you know, with mm-hmm. being a uh, um, uh, provocateur, you mm. know. I mean, again, unless you are totally unaware that you have nothing to offer, you know, mm. then you can authentically be Kim Kardashian or LeVar Ball or, <laughs> you know, pick your, you know, famous person who's just become famous for the sake of being famous. Mm. Uh, and what they all have in common uh, with, you know, many famous uh, musical entertainers is that uh, they're blissfully uh, unaware of of what else is out there. And, and so they're able to be, you know, arrogant enough and have enough bluster to where they, they really are amazing sure. self-promoters. I mean, yeah, we yeah. could even go Trump, obviously. Oh, right. Oh, totally. And there's another. You can give them this, that there is authenticity in it for them. You know, yes, and, and I believe they're very yeah. authentic, and that's <laughs> and that's super believable. You know, when we yeah. listen to people like that, like I will say, Kanye West is a super talent. I like, I love his productions, but you know, uh, he will do eighty to a hundred mixes of a thing, and then go back and choose mix two or three, uh, mm-hmm. and like, you know, that. Wow, I didn't, I didn't realize. He yeah, had, so. that's. I mean, that's a. Like, that's a story that I heard about him. So, like, we'll talk about, like, how meticulous and thoughtful he is about his artwork. And yet, uh, here's another thing. Like, once the promotion is done uh, and people actually start digging your shit, how do you not be douchey about it? Like, how do you stay humble, (laughs) right? It's easy to be humble. It's easy for us to talk about humility because we're slugging it out in the trenches, right? We're trying to be artists. We're, you know, trying to put food on the table. We're trying to take care of your kid. You know, I'm trying to figure out like how to buy a new car. Uh, Gotta figure all that stuff out. But what happens when, you know, we get to a level where, like when you were touring with Rush, you were like the solo cellist on a Rush tour. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a thing where I think any drummer in the world would just think that you're a god, right? Right. But as a string player, you are aware of all of these other areas in your life um, where you're not sort of up to snuff as far as your own standards are concerned. Right. Right? That- but then, you know, for the things like, let's just imagine like the thing that you care about the most, you become... Uh, the greatest in the world, or at least well-respected, or at least famous. Let's say you become famous for the thing that you care about the most. How do you remain curious then? How do you not just start thinking about how great you are? <laughs> how do you not, right? Well, I mean, I think I think the nature of being an artist is, is that you don't really, you never know when you're there. Mm-hmm. You never accept when you're there. And when mm. you're there, you're always aware that there's somewhere else there to be. There are people nipping at your heels. Yeah, and that mm. there's somewhere else to be. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a classic uh LA um saying uh that goes, the first phase of your career is, you know, who's Noah Needleman? Mm-hmm. The second phase of your career is is I want to get me, you know, get me Noah Needleman. Mm-hmm. Right. The third phase of your career is 
Can we get I, somebody like a Noah Needleman? No, we need a young Noah Needleman. We need a young Noah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need a young yeah. cheaper. <laughs> Don't yeah. forget cheaper, right? That's oh, kind yeah. of the cheaper yeah. Noah Needleman. Mm-hmm. And then the last stage is, of course. Uh, who the hell is Noah Needleman? Exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. So I heard this interview with Frank Gehry, uh, who's a really famous architect. Fam- famous. You have, that's a like relative term, wouldn't you say? <laughs> right. I guess that's true. Let's <laughs> say he's really famous in the architecture <laughs> okay. world. Okay. All right, um, but he he designed uh, Disney Hall here in Los Angeles, and okay. uh, really famous the Guggenheim Museum in Bilbao. Basically, his buildings look like giant metal fishes. Um, <laughs> some people that's love him. Style. Some people don't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely a thing, and. He's, I think he's over 90 now, and okay. I, they were talking to him on NPR and, you know, giving him the interview on his birthday, and uh, they asked him, why are you still, like, going to, into the office every day, working eight hours a day, and he said, he said he's pathologically afraid of mediocrity. Hmm. Uh, to, to me, that means he's aware of all of the other great artists that are out there, you know, and all of the other great architects that are kind of nipping at his heels mm-hmm. that are younger and cheaper. And he's really terrified of transitioning from phase three to who the hell is Noah Needleman? You yeah. know what well, I mean? What is that? I mean, is that, is that like a humility thing though? Because I like, uh, to me, that sounds like a lack of maturity, you know, mm-hmm. like for my, I mean, to be 90 years old and to still be afraid that you're going to be irrelevant at some point, mm-hmm. you know, like, I think that that I, I like when I'm old, I want to be somebody different than I am today. You know, I want to be like sage, like I want to be Willy Wonka when I'm old, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be like out there fighting it out. Like I am right now, right now where I am in my life, I want to be in the trenches, but later, you know, I want to be on the other side, telling other people how to do it. And sure. Right. Sure. But but that's to me, the difference is, is that's 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 a life condition that you aspire to. You definitely don't want to be an artist who starts to read their own press and (laughs) take things for granted. You know, like think about like late Walt Whitman. Right. Mm. Like you ever read some of Walt Whitman's last uh, writings? I remember it's like the guy really like clearly started to believe that anything he babbled you know, irregardless of proofreading, editing, anything was just pure genius. I mean, mm. you know, and once we think our our shit doesn't stink, uh-huh. um, we're definitely done making great art, uh, which is okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have no problem with the concept of retirement or transitioning mm-hmm. or moving in. Not not that I'm particularly interested in it, but I have no problem with that concept for others. Right. Um, but yeah, to me, it you know, that's like parsing. Um, I think there is an insecurity there uh, with Gary, and insecurity does drive a lot of the best artists. I think it drives a lot of a lot of my art, to be completely honest, uh, mm. when I'm honest with myself. Oh, sure. But, That's like in the competitive thing. Uh, I mean, when I was learning how to play guitar, my older brother played, and he, of course, was better than I. He started right, earlier, and, right. and it was going to be like I was going to be better than Adam. That was, that was what drove me until the point where I I was better than Adam. Um, and then it was somebody else that I was going to be better than and told like, and just kind of, that kept me going forever. And now, um, I'm less interested in being better than other people. And I'm more interested in authenticity. I'm more interested in being who I am. And I, I think about that, uh, 
that acceptance speech that Matthew McConaughey gave when he won Best Man, where he talked about he was his own hero, um, but just like the 10 years later him, you know, like that's his hero. Um, mm. And I, 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 I felt like the concept was there when he was talking about it, but he should have had somebody else write it. Um, <laughs> because I think, he kind of, I think he kind of missed the point, like, yeah, becoming who we are going to be or who we desire to be is like a full-time job. Yes. You know, like becoming who we're who we're going to be, like that that happens if we're just not paying attention, but who we want to be, being the person that we want to look up to, uh being the person we needed when we were younger. You know, mm-hmm. like that requires all of your effort all of the time. And um I think that as long as you at least for me personally, I've noticed this that when that's my focus, um I never I never get accused of being arrogant. You know? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that about covers the entire topic of humility. <laughs> I think we got all no one it. will ever need to write or say anything else <laughs> now that we've completed this podcast. Yeah. And if you stuck it out with us, good for you. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, so signing off, I'm Noah. I'm Jacob. And we'll see you next time. This podcast was produced by yours truly with music by William Hawkins.